friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. This is Tim and Friends for Wednesday, July 20th, the Wednesday after the All-Star Game, known in the biz as the quietest day on the sporting calendar. So quiet, in fact, that in the past, ESPN basically created an award show to fill the gap. Jesse, in the 24-hour news cycle world intent on clicks, hits, and likes that is leading us the horse to water that is human extinction, <laughs> is this the quietest day on the sporting calendar still relevant or is that something stuck with us old heads, which I guess I am now bordering on? I guess I guess you are. Yeah. Bordering on old uh, heads? Uh, bordering, bordering. Or on. it's no longer relevant. No, it definitely is. It's relevant. It's is still, it relevant? Because there's a lot of juice today. I'm going to be I, honest I here. I know, but it, it almost takes on more of a life of its own because there's so little else going on. Right. Like people are looking for the things to put into That's this exactly day right. that might get the most juice. Yeah. Brilliant, if you ask me. Exactly. Because if it's quiet, you might as well amplify it. And why, I'll say this for the 34th time, and by now I hope the CFL knows that I love them. <laughs> <laughs> I think most, even the most ardent, ah, Sportsnet hates the CFL folks, know that I love the CFL. I have a passion for the game and the league, but CFL, even with the love, like my children and the cleanliness of the rooms, how many times do we have to talk about this? Why do you not always have a game today? Is it because of the ESPYs on TSN? Like, not everyone wants to watch award shows where they give awards to whoever will show up. Wait a second, that's actually almost every award show. <laughs> Never mind. I actually like the ESPYs. And, and to be honest, two of what? The top three hosts of the ESPYs ever were Canadian? Steph Curry hosting tonight. And two of the best three, I think, Peyton Manning, he's not Canadian, No. Drake and Norm MacDonald. Let's start with Drake, 2014, and his jam, Side Pieces, instant classic. This is, uh, this is a song about the real glue that holds the sports world together. It's a song that I call Side Pieces. Side Pieces. I know that you're watching this from home. I can't wait to see you on the road Cheering from the shadows, I hear you calling out Wifey sees a text and asks, what's this all about? I tell her you're just a friend A lot of these guys are dying for the song to end <laughs> Shine pieces where you're at Probably in the top five I know you're not <laughs> Drake looks so young there. So that's, a, that's what I was going to say. That was my takeaway. And number two, like, it's also like, true. What he said. No, the, but the side pieces yeah. part, I wouldn't know anything about it, honey. <laughs> and of course, Norm MacDonald, rest in peace, who put the awards on the map with a monologue that we couldn't play in its entirety in 2022. But maybe we can play two jokes? Just backstage, a lot of celebrities back there, man. I was talking to Jerry Jones, you know, the Cowboys owner, and uh, he's disappointed, obviously. Yeah. 
Well, he's a good guy, though, man. He's, he's talking about rebuilding the team, you know? And he told me, he says, we have to get back to what made us a championship team. Strippers and crack. <laughs> Charles Woodson, how about that? Oh, what a season he had. Great, Manny. He became the first defensive player to win the Heisman Trophy. And congratulations, Charles. That is something that no one can ever take away from you. Unless you kill your wife and a waiter, in which case... <laughs> Goodness. A word of advice, top comment from Pete on YouTube. Not one Heisman winner has killed his wife and a waiter since. Norm spoke to the sports world. His advice was he. So good. And thank God. Anywho, my point here, CFL, I love you. For the love of God, please play at least one game on one of the three days during the All-Star break. It's wide open for you to take advantage. Please. Just take advantage of it. So instead of the Stamps and Bombers as the marquee matchup, we have Kachuk versus the Flames. Yeah, well, we do. To be honest, it, it, it sounds more like Kachuk working in conjunction with the Flames to get something done before he walks. As we and Eric Francis have told you over the last couple of days, this was going to happen. So the, the quiet day becomes more of what the hell do the Flames do next here on Tim and Friends? Is it St. Louis or bust? Could Ottawa actually get into the mix? And Leaf fans, stop making Nylander train. <laughs> You're against the cap. It would take more than Nylander, my friends, because you would have to just to get it under the cap. Oh, we're to believe that he just wants to go south of the 49th. Like, that's what it sounds like at this point, right? Yeah, pretty clear. Like, you said it to start with Johnny Gaudreau, and I gave you kind of the side eye. And now as I've kind of gone through all of the things that may lead to this and what I'm hearing right now on Matthew Kajuk is that he just wants to be the man in America. We'll get into all of this, okay? First things yeah, first, yeah. Jesse Rubin. I'm bummed about it, too. Frank Saravalli is going to join us from the Daily Faceoff on all of this. And if Nazem Kadri becomes the replacement in Calgary, is Jordan Cairo actually available in St. Louis? The trickle-down effect on this is so good. Frank, as good as they come, he'll join us. After first things first with Rubinoff. Also dropping by Justin Dunk from uh, fresh off of Touchdown Atlantic. We'll talk why the CFL doesn't play a game in this window. And Michelle Beadle, that's right, kids, former host or co-host of Get Up. Former host or co-host, Sports Nation. Former host, NBA Countdown on ESPN. That Michelle Beadle will take her maiden voyage with Tim and Friends coming up in the first hour. Looking forward to that, but we start as we always do with what everyone is talking about at this hour. First things first, Biggie Ruby. So let's give them what they seek, Ali Haji Sheik. <laughs> That's a really good one. Um, a tough one. When was the, the Norm McDonald SVs again? 1998, I believe. 1998. In yeah. the first joke that he made about Jerry Jones, we have to get back to what makes us a championship team. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he says that every single year. Like every year. Because the Cowboys cannot... They just can't turn it around. 
we have to get back to what makes us a championship oh, team. I, see, I, see. I just envisioned Jerry Jones. I thought you were talking about that. the strippers and crap. Oh, and no, then I thought, no, 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 I don't think Jerry Jones no. says that. He doesn't say that. That's a McDonald thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not publicly, at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he, <laughs> but he, does, right. he does say that we have to get back. Like, it feels like that is like one of his go-to lines, oh, yeah. and it just has continued over the years. Because they I mean, haven't won yet. Without right? a doubt. Yeah, no. And he's part of the problem. Yes, indeed. Okay, so you mentioned Kachuk. Yes. The Kachuk watch continues in Calgary, and it's becoming more and more clear that his time with the Flames is coming to an end. Sportsnet's Eric Francis told us yesterday that a trade is imminent, and today a report in The Athletic confirmed that Kachuk has informed the Flames that he won't sign a long-term deal. What kind of a return should Brad Trey Living be looking to get for Kachuk? A big return? <laughs> I mean, it depends on what team. This is why Kachuk is working in conjunction with the Calgary Flames. And this is why, listen, to me this sounds like, and for those old of us to remember, it feels like, sounds like when Tracy McGrady walked from Toronto and then Vince Carter had the trade demand. And before we get into what the haul will be, both those guys ended up regretting the move from Toronto. Whether you gave him the truth serum or not, whether you've heard it or had to read between the lines to believe it, Tracy McGrady ended up winning a scoring title, but what could they have done together? And that'll be the question about the Calgary Flames. And let me just say, this is an absolute kidney blow to the Flames and their fans. And so if I could pour some out for Flames fans right now, I would. Um, Unfortunately, it's really hot in the studio, and I need the water. And I don't it is rather hot. Yeah. yeah. If, if my head couple starts, days too, if yeah. I start like absolutely now, you know why? Yeah, sweating. It's it's not because of Jesse's questions. It's because it's really hot in the studio. Um, the first, there feels like there's a lot of misinformation and speculation out there, mm -hmm. and people are just just like 2022. People are just conflating both together and making it fact. It's not. None of this is fact. He has provided, apparently, reportedly, mm -hmm. a list to the Calgary Flames. No one has that list. The list would also include, this is from The Athletic, it, it suggests that the Vegas Golden Knights are on that list. But even Jeremy Rutherford, who was part of The Athletic story with mm -hmm. Haley Salvian, said, this is just since January we have heard that they were interested in the Kachuk camp were interested in different spots but Vegas is up against the cap too how they make a deal like that I don't know that they can but who knows they've done it before when we didn't think that they could and they made deals that they couldn't make when we thought that they couldn't That's right. so, exactly right yeah so there's a lot here I'm going all this way to say that if the report that Kairu was available with Krug in a first-round pick right now to Calgary, I would make that. That's a great starting point mm -hmm. for a return on Matthew Kachuk. Like, I, I know we just showed what Eric Francis said, and he can report that that alleged trade list for Kachuk circulating that includes St. Louis, Vegas, Florida, Nashville, and Dallas is not accurate. But I believe that St. Louis is very accurate. And I believe that it's almost too good to be true for everyone involved. Like, we've all heard those rumors that he wants to go back to where he's from. Yeah. He ran around that locker room as a kid with his for dad. Sure he did, yeah. So that, that one sounds like there's Vladimir Tarasenko there, right, who mm -hmm. was asked for a trade and never gotten that trade. There's a Pavel Busnevich that would be a good return. I don't know if enough Canadians have watched him play, but it feels like to me right now, 
St. Louis Blues are the favorite in this hunt for Kachuk, and it sounds like Kachuk would like to go there. Now, whether or not that makes it too hard to make a deal, because both teams feel like they have leverage against the yeah. other, I don't know, but that's the favorite in my mind right now, and the pieces are there for Calgary. Like, if you're a Flames fan and you see Jordan Cairo, who is legit the good young demon. player, yeah. And, and and it's not as if he's small. No. Like, that guy's got speed. He's got talent. He can do a lot of things. I don't know that St. Louis would want to let him go. Pavel Busnevich is a good player, too. And then you got Tarasenko, who's unhappy there. Whether he'd be happy in Calgary is another story, too. But there there are a lot of pieces there. They've got a pretty crowded blue line. Where, where do you think he ends up? So, Or what I mean, do you think the hall is? I think the hall should be rather significant. Um and I think the difference is here with respect to maybe you look at the Kevin Durant situation. Like you look at Kachuk, the Flames can't just sit on Kachuk for a year because then he'd walk for absolutely nothing and you'd be in the exact same situation right. where Johnny Gaudreau left for nothing. Mm-hmm. So I think that the haul should be substantial for sure because you look at what he's able to do as a 24-year-old, 104 points this season, 42 goals, plus 57. And a lot of that... He's a unicorn. He's a unicorn. And... What I will say is you wonder how much of that was dictated by having Johnny Goudreau and Elias Lindholm on the line, right? And you wonder if he yeah. wants to sign a long-term deal, get the money. Well, without a doubt. Right? Before, you know, your line mates switch up and you might not be putting up points like what that. What if you put up a 75-point season instead of the 100-point season? There is no doubt that he is striking while the irons are hot. Yeah. yeah that is, if you're pulling back the curtain on I have this. so many questions Why now? This. Why here? The other thing I'll just throw out there is... Have a look at what the Buffalo and Haley Salvian and Jeremy Rutherford did this in the Athletics. So I'm job. not, yeah. I am not uh, splitting any atoms here. Mm-hmm. But look at what Jack Eichel got for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. They got basically a good young player in the deal in Alex Tuck. They got another good young prospect in Peyton Krebs, and then you've got the first round pick and a couple other picks thrown in there. So that that seems to be a pretty good blueprint for what. Calgary will get back. You said you had so many questions. It's just so funny that this is supposed to be the quietest day of the sports calendar, and I just have like follow-up question after follow-up question. <laughs> so let's do it. Story. Let's unravel it and, uh, and write us. Let us know what no, you yeah, think we, we, at Tim and Friends because there's a lot of layers to this onion, and we won't get to them all here in First Things First. So before I get to the, the rebuild or retool question, which is coming, uh, I think I have to ask, from a Flames fan perspective, Goudreau just left, and essentially strung you along the whole way. Not that yeah, he's free to do whatever he wants, but yeah, he didn't he, get anything he for He earned him. that right, yeah. So now the fact that, that Kachuk is not going to do what Goudreau did and is telling you that he wants to be traded, do Flames fans look at this any differently than they would look at Goudreau, or are they still going to be extremely mad at Matthew Kachuk because at the end of the day he's leaving, even though he's sort of offering an olive branch to the team that they can get something in return. Yeah, when you lose 219 points as a fan base you're in be pissed a matter way. of a week, you're <laughs> yeah. pissed. Uh, that said, the way Matthew Kachuk is going about it is because of what he saw in Johnny Goudreau, and he hopes that in the end that helps him long term. But in the end, he also wants out of a, of a pretty good situation. Like, this team won the division. Like, I don't know if it's Daryl Sutter and that the way he coached this team rubbed them the wrong way, but this is a good team that they're leaving. Now, I know we are in unprecedented territory, and the idea that all of the COVID restrictions wore on these guys, and as we're seeing with the 
Saskatchewan Rough Riders right now. COVID's not gone away as much as we want it to go away mm -hmm. and praying that it's going away. It hasn't gone away. So there are American players who have talked to their families, who have traveled throughout, who have the greatest doctors on their team to take care of them if, in fact, they were happening to get sick and or had problems with long COVID. Like, no one's talked about Brandon Sutter in Vancouver and what he's had to go through. Right? Like, yeah. there, there is... I understand that'll happen every once in a while in sports, but if you have all of the best doctors and you went through that, I can see why these guys wouldn't want to live through that again if, in fact, we got to that point, which I don't think we will. Either way, they want to be closer to their families. Borders have become a problem in the pandemic, and travel has become a problem in the pandemic. And if you're in the, in the spot where you can choose where to go, this was the point that Eric Francis was making, even though a lot of people got mad at him for making it. The point he's making is, if you're good enough to have a choice, you might make the choice to be closer to home these days, or maybe now more than ever, given what we're going through as a society yeah. all across North America. It's a great point. Uh, we got so much, I got, it was just hilarious that I gotta move on a little bit uh, quickly here, but um, Johnny Gaudreau, Players Tribune article. He said that he was yeah. uh, going to do something for the Calgary Flames. Do you think that makes them feel any better about what's transpired in the last little while? I think they're too busy reading what they are going to get back for Matthew Kachuk to go through yeah. everything Johnny put in the Players' Tribune. But he said he was going to do it. And I, I Listen, if you're a Flames fan and you haven't read it, probably go read it just to get an idea, maybe a little bit more of why he made it. Yeah. Uh, well, Frank Saravelli and Ken Reed coming up a little bit later. Yeah, Kenny Reed we, we coming like, in on the second We got hour. time. Like, the beauty of having a two-hour show is we have guests that can come in and supplement the conversation that we just had. And for now, we will move on to the MLB All-Star Game. The American League has now won nine straight All-Star Games, which is a crazy stat. After a 3-2 win in Los Angeles last night, the NL jumped out to an early lead, scoring two runs in the first off of race starter Shane McClanahan, but they managed just one hit after that. The AL did their damage in the fourth inning with Giancarlo Stanton and Byron Buxton both going deep off Tony Gonsolin. Stanton, who grew up in L.A., was named MVP of the game. What was your favorite part? I have a feeling where this is going to go. Uh, I did want to sit here and try and make a case for a backhanded flip uh, at second base, but it's Manoa, right? Like, yeah. it's Alec Manoa stealing the show. Here's yeah. the backhanded flip at second base, which was unbelievable. Uh, for those who can appreciate, please do too. appreciate yeah. it, because it was wonderfully good. Andres Jimenez, oh. so oh. good. It's exactly, what, it's exactly what you wanted in All-Star Game. Yes. However, however, Alec Manoa stole the show. Alec Manoa stole the show despite pitching just one inning in the game and despite this being just his second season in Major League Baseball. I mean, he stole the show for, I mean, maybe there's a little hometown bias because we see him all the time. We knew he had that big personality, mm -hmm. but the Americans didn't know. I mean, his inning pitching, he didn't have to drop the mic. He picked it up, he put it on, and he put on a show. You love pitching, don't you? Oh, this is great. <laughs> Here we go! There's one! Hey, that was perfect, man. What do you think Kirky calls here? I think he calls a front hip sinker. Alright, I was wrong. Oh, there it is, second option. <laughs> here we go! There's two! He caught it! Pretty, pretty good. Two up, two down, it and a couple front, Ks. It was more like front shoulder, not front hip. Bye, you! Here we go! You're gonna strike out the side in the All Star game? John, what do you want? Back foot slider, down and low. Oh, you're sexy. Here we go. No. <laughs> yeah. 
no, no. no. I that was a small player, my bad. <laughs> right down the middle, but we'll take it. Three punches. Let's go. Oh, you're the best, man. That's a hell of a bullpen right there. Hell yeah, Dustin. Let's go win a ball game. Underrated also, that's a hell of a bullpen. Oh, I'm completely underrated line. Yeah. Three punches. Like it's just he's just becoming the man. That's it. And it wasn't just him. His entire crew, including his mom, yeah. also stole the show. We tweeted this out earlier so today. Good. This is almost as good as him. Mom and friends. <laughs> Come on, here it goes. Here it goes number one. Here goes number one. There it is. There it is. What are the people sitting around them thinking? Uh, I don't know. I think they enjoy it. I think they realize what's up. Like yeah. at an all-star game, I yeah. think every player probably has their own section of family and friends. And you just you so figure cool. out the jerseys after yeah, a while. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's wearing a Manoa jersey. Uh, quickly, I just want to get to a tweet. Darren Ravel tweeted last night, Alec Manoa grew his Twitter following by 1.5% from his performance on the mound and the mic tonight. So he, he became a star last night. He was already a star here. But I think he became a star in the majors think, last night. I think the rest of Major League Baseball totally. figured out what we have here in Toronto. Also, uh, I just want to shout out uh, Ken Rosenthal and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Mm -hmm. in the stand-up to cancer segment of the show. If you can't read it, that reads Jamie Campbell and Buck Martinez. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., same thing. Uh, great to see our awesome. friends here at Sportsnet being repped at such a great time. Pure class. One more thing. Should I have Edie throw out there that perhaps Toronto 2027? Yeah, I mean, I'll take it. Huh? I would, I would enjoy that weekend. Does that, uh, does that mean a revamped Rogers Center? And I keep hearing like this revamped Rogers Center stuff. It sounds like they're gonna do something big to that stadium that we're not taking into account as of yet. Do you think they have to in order to land the All-Star game? I just think if, if the All-Star game is talking about coming to Toronto, there's probably something significant. Something brewing. Yeah. Love that. It's like a big window somewhere. Oh, interesting. Well, they did a pretty good job with the scoreboard, I do have to say. Scoreboard's the Scoreboard's nice. really cool. The lights for Romano's entrance? I, I'm into it. But that's just the start. That's not what we're talking about. Here. No, not at all. No. We're talking about... Big time. Big. Yeah. Okay. Still to come, Ken Reed in studio, hour number two, Frank Saravelli, latest buzz in the NHL, including Kachuk and who replaces him in Calgary. Jeff Blum on the All-Star Game and upcoming death. Kenny Reed in studio as an Expos fan will be hyped that Jeff Blum is on the show. Michelle Beadle on Durant and more. Plus after the break, Justin Dunk drops by in studio. Week number seven in the Canadian Football League. Tim and friends, this is the quietest day in the sports calendar. Not anymore. What the hell happened here? And here is a big old horse from the Toronto Blue Jays, Alec Manoa. Here we go. There's one. 
There we go. There's two. He caught it. Right down the middle, but we'll take it. Three punches. <laughs> Let's go. There it is. Goodrow's gone from Calgary. It looks like Matthew Kachuk will be next. I smell a lot of smoke around Matthew Kachuk. I think you're going to see Matthew Kachuk stateside very soon. Give me a word right, right now to describe this offseason. Disaster. Touchdown Atlantic is officially back. This happened in the pregame. Duke Williams throwing Shaq Richardson's helmet at him. Yeah, it's a business trip for these two teams. Welcome back, kids. Week 7 coming up in the Canadian Football League. Let's take a look at the odds. Powered by Bet Rivers, the Owls, two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Red Blacks to kick off the week. Also Thursday, Lions hosting the Ticats, Nathan Rourke, and the Leos, big eight-and-a-half-point favorites over the struggling Ticats. Friday, the unbeaten Bombers laying seven-and-a-half against the Elks at Edmonton on Saturday. Rematch from last week's touchdown Atlantic game, Argos and Riders. If it happens, you now riders haven't practiced all week due to a COVID outbreak within the organization. Reports suggesting the game could be postponed. As of right now, riders three-point dogs fresh off the golf course is Justin Dunk. What's going on, Justin Dunk? And why the hell were you on the golf course? Or at least what I saw on the socials was that today or yesterday. There's a tournament, Top Shot Tournament. Okay. Stephen Lawrence, the newest member of the San Jose Sharks and that Brent Burns trade that everybody yeah. was talking about. Right, they're talking about Burns. Yeah. Look, look at this. Drano, baby, <laughs> playing with the long-lost family members of Mike Weir, my cousin Brock Weir, Steve Weir, and Jason Weir. So got it done. Nine under overall, pretty decent. But we make two bogeys. I don't really know how that happens. In a scramble, obviously. Anyway. Disgusting, yeah. I gotta yeah. be honest, right? Yeah, it's, it's less than ideal. Less yeah. than but ideal. Uh, you, you sent in that video and asked if you were eligible for a Golf Town giveaway that we're doing uh, this yeah. week. That's what it's told. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. As long I, as I'm not always on the show every day like you guys. No. I'm no? hearing, I'm hearing. Oh, he's got finger <laughs> to the ear like the producers on. are telling him. Yeah, yeah the producers are telling him, and you are ineligible, ineligible. <laughs> unfortunately ineligible. Uh, but yeah we are giving away another 200 dollars <laughs> gift card for a golf town giveaway uh, tag us upload a good or bad putt video dunks was exceptional very good you can get creative serious whatever you want uh, we will pick the winner on thank golf it's friday this week it will be one at random as i get a notification like, no activity work what'd you do Nothing, just a no activity on my workstation. Well, you're actually before, active yeah. on the <laughs> yeah. figures. Moving off, no, no activity, activity on the workstation. I literally <laughs> just touched the computer. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's uh, are we playing the Argos-Riders <laughs> game? What, like do, what are you hearing, uh, Justin Dunk? It sounds like that Riders game might not be played. Yeah, speaking of no activity, it doesn't yeah. seem there'll be activity there because of this COVID <laughs> outbreak that's gone through the team. And it might be a bit of a blessing in disguise for the Riders that need the rest for their franchise quarterback in Cody Fajardo, and I think Toronto was going to come to town and whack him. I was going to say, if the game was going to be played, those lines he showed off the top, put all your cash on the Argos, but it seems like highly unlikely it'll be played. Okay, so t talk to me about Cody Fajardo first, and then we'll get to Duke Williams. Well, Fajardo felt like he suffered a major setback in the touchdown Atlantic game after taking a sack from Sean Oakman and then trying to walk it off and play through it, and there was some couple other times in the game where he was trying to be himself and be elusive and just didn't look the same. So in my mind, it's too late now, but the Riders are endangering their franchise quarterback here and the guy that's going to give them the best chance to win the Great Cup, which is, oh, by the way, in Regina in November. So I think regardless of this COVID outbreak, Fajardo needs to be sat down. 
for at least this game that would have been played against the Argos. BC the next week, then they have a bye. So that gets them about a month off. So let Fajardo sit and rest that left knee. Are and you see suggesting what Mason that finance. should have happened before? Yes, definitely. Yeah. I think when you see him hobbling around, to me, I understand that you want your best player on the field. But you know how long the seasons are. 18 regular season games. And you're going to make the playoffs really anyway because the East Division flat out sucks. <laughs> so sit him down. Let's see what Mason Fine, the backup, has. And let Fajardo be ready for when you want to make that run towards the Cup. All right. Uh, I've seen it now a couple times. But uh, when I first saw it, I thought maybe in high school I would have seen a helmet toss. What the hell is Duke Williams doing? Dude, you... Cannot have any idea what's going through his head here, to be quite honest. I don't care what Jaw Jackin was going on before the game. To pick up somebody else's helmet and throw it at them, and it almost catches Ryan Dinwiddie in the ear there as well. Should have been oh. an ejectionable offense right then and there. But is it not? The CFL won't say it to me. The reason it's not is because you have a touchdown Atlantic game with one of your biggest stars in the league, and you wanted him to play. Come on. It's got to be it, man. There's no other explanation. The only one that they gave was that it broke up quickly. That's bogus, man. You threw a helmet. Like, do we remember when it happened in the NFL? Like, how quickly people were throwing, like, the rest of the season? This guy got, he got to play in the game. And I know he's a star. Scored a touchdown. In the game. And then gets one game after. Like, this is... This is jaw-dropping. Miles Garrett got six for the Mason Rudolph incident, right? Miles Garrett gets six. He gets one and got to play in the game. The CFL, like, I know. I love the CFL. I know that they're understaffed. And people think, like, there's a front office of 100 people going through everything, like Roger Goodell running the 40 in the NFL <laughs> offices, and there's thousands of people around yeah. clapping. Randy Ambrosio runs the 40 in the CFL offices, and there's, like, a golf clap of five people. Like, that's it's, not even, all, it's not even 40 yards long. Yeah, that, that's right. It's not even 40. He couldn't run the 40 yard. He'd go through a wall if he ran a 40 yard. But you can't do this. You can't. The Garrett Moreno thing, I don't know if that was handled properly and then oh well it's the biggest suspension that we have ever given who gives a bleep if it's the biggest suspension that you've ever given out you give out a suspension based on what the guy does and this one one game and he's able to play in the initial game is near ridiculous exactly man it's baloney needs to change got to come down hard on guys like that to show that that action is not tolerable and timmy we didn't even talk about the accusations of williams spitting on richardson multiple times in the game which was not yet addressed by the league all right get it right cfls you're making it tough for me to love you as much as i do uh (laughs) bombers stay unbeaten like are we looking at a dynasty here in the cfl right now It's on the come up, man. Yeah. I mean, you go back to back. You start the season 6-0 and for the first time since 1960. And you do it over a team who looks like they're one of the best in the league as well, as the Calgary Stampeders do. So I think the key with the Bombers, though, is they've played kind of their A game, I think, really, in this game. A couple times they played their C games, maybe B games this season. They find ways to win, to me. That's the critical aspect for me with Winnipeg. Yeah. And that man, Zach Caleros, is they've figured it out, making plays late in the game to win ball games. All right, the one that uh, struck me the most this week, uh, maybe off the radar and in a spot where Hamilton is struggling, they hire Kahari Jones, 
this used to be you pick up the player who gets cut by the team, <laughs> yeah. and you might get a playbook, you might get a little knowledge of some opponents. Like, this is that to the nth degree, is it not? It really is, man. And the Ticats get better here while the Alouettes made a stupid decision to fire Kahari Jones, who has shown that not only is he a leader of men, but then he can run that offense more competently than I think a lot of people could in the league. So the Ticats get better. They get all of that knowledge, as you said, from the Alouettes and what's going on over there. And they also set themselves up in the future. There's a lot of heat on Tommy Condell, the offensive coordinator mm -hmm. in Hamilton. So if they needed a guy to step in and take over, Jones is right there. Uh, last one before I let you go. Uh, Touchdown Atlantic seemed like it was a lot of fun. Every time I've gone, it's been a lot of fun. And yet, uh, Mayor Mike Savage of uh, Halifax basically poo-pooed the idea. Is there something about St. Mary's that you've picked up in the last little while on St. Uh, on Three Downs Nation? Exactly. After I talked to Mayor Savage in his office for a while, and he did say that a modified format in terms of a stadium could work, but people around Touchdown Atlantic felt like there could be a possibility for a football stadium if St. Mary's University and the CFL came together. It's being looked at and discussed right now, but it's a long way from happening. That said, at least it's a little bit of a possibility, less than zero, that Savage left. I know uh, public funds for stadiums are hard to come by unless there's like a Pan Am Games or an Olympics or something like that, and I completely understand why. But if a stadium is built anywhere in the Maritimes, like has Touchdown Atlantic not proven that it will succeed? I think it has, especially this past one. Yeah. In Wolfville, an hour outside of Halifax, in a town of 5,000, you have well over 10,000 people. Yes, there was that number announced at the game, but just overtook the town. People coming in from everywhere. Yeah. And I think it's proven that it could support a team from the fan perspective. Savage even said as much. He felt like from the corporate sponsorship perspective, yeah. they could support a CFL team. And there's a buzz there. Over 400,000 people in the city, lots of young people. Yeah. I think it could benefit both the CFL and the city of Halifax yeah. and St. Mary's. And, and we know they like to have a good time out east. Oh, my goodness. Do they <laughs> ever, Timmy? I'm still recovering, man. All right. Uh... I don't know if this guy just won the British Open, but he can hit a putt. Yeah, yeah he can. Justin Dunk impressive. in studio. Thanks for doing this uh, dink and dunk segment here on Tim and Friends. Love it. There is uh, Justin's <laughs> last name. Why are you looking at me over here? Oh, we just said best name. Yeah, you like Dinkin' Duck. That's my favorite, favorite name for Time a second. for a break. When we come back, former ESPN broadcaster, current broadcaster, current San Antonio Spurs <laughs> broadcast host, Michelle Beadle stops by. We'll discuss the slow-developing Kevin Durant market and just shoot the breeze on a new podcast next, right here on Tim and Friends. Hot in here, isn't it? All right, kids, my next guest has held down a lot of hats in this industry and seen a lot more. From ESPN's Get Up to NBA Countdown, from Sports Nation to the What Did I Miss podcast, currently through The Athletic. I have been professionally jealous of her talents for years. And speaking oh, of hats, I knew we would be immediate homies when I popped up one of the latest editions of What Did I Miss, and I saw this young woman wearing a Don't Be a Richard hat. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, yes. help me welcome Michelle Badel. Thanks for jumping on. Hello. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Hello, Canada, <laughs> our friendly neighbor to the north. <laughs> Did you get the Don't Be a Richard hat made, and can you send one up here if you have more than one? 
No. Oh my God. I don't know why my. You know why my alarm's going off? To remind me to do this. Just on time. Like, oh great. Yeah. Perfect timing. Yeah. Um. No. I found it online. I didn't even have to have that one made, which was sort of a miracle. But that one's a good one, and I like it because it's not cussing, so my parents can't be mad. Yeah. That's. I always say that on the show to avoid cussing because I always get a note when I cuss in some way, <laughs> shape, or form. Although I still don't believe that ass is a cuss. Uh, as a form, no. as a, as a fellow broadcaster. Do you have a good idea for what we do on days like this? Like, our initial reaction to the quietest day on the sporting calendar was, do we do an Ask Me Anything segment? <laughs> yes. We, yeah, yes. we do. Do an Ask Me Anything? We do. What, what, what yeah. did you do? We are just trying to, like, make it. It's funny you should say that because I have a bunch of travel coming up, so we're trying to figure out how to kind of stay on the podcast schedule. And we're like, you know, we haven't done an Ask Me Anything. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if I've ever done one. Um, the beauty of it is, though, is off-season-wise, I think NBA kind of keeps things moving. Um, they do a good job. And football, for us, at least down here, I don't know if you care, but it, it's around the corner. Um, and there's always television. I feel like we all the common currency for all of us is television. We can at least talk about that. Maybe, but it is the dead of the dead of summer. So mm, we got to make stuff up now. Uh, we do kind of care about football. Fifty days to uh, opening day, exactly today. So yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I don't know. Does everyone care? I don't know. Anymore. Yeah, we, we just add a little <laughs> CFL into our football and yes. take out a little NCAA football. Um, but hold on a second. Did you not lead your podcast with Jennifer Lopez, or well, as yeah, the woman formerly that. known as Jennifer Lopez? I know. I can't believe she took his last name. I'm actually, no, I'm not shocked at all. Jennifer Lopez is a wired to be in a relationship at all times. But yeah, we led the <laughs> yeah. podcast with that because that's the biggest story in the world. <laughs> <laughs> that she's halfway so, to Tom Brady when it comes to rings. I mean, she just, you know, I get it. Everything's fixable. You can fix it and move on to the next one. I get it. Is I get it, it. Is that what it is? I, I, the one thing I didn't know was I, I, I didn't realize she didn't marry A-Rod. No, well, they, I mean, there was a big old ring, I guess, but you know, her, the heart wants what it wants, and A Rod's A Rod, and <laughs> you just move on. <laughs> uh, I, I was reading Wikipedia, which I do for all my oh, research, and obviously, did, did you see? Did you do some odd jobs in Canada as like a youngster? What? What? There was I, some part about yes. Canada in there. There was. Well, I. I dropped out of basic. I mean, I, it's the, I should just start saying I dropped out. Cause I'm like, well, I left college. No, I pretty much dropped out, uh, with a year to go at UT Austin. And I had been dating a minor league hockey boy at the time. And of course you did. Uh, and he was from Peterborough. So I ended up there and there was like this woman who was breeding great Danes. And it was like all part of this little world that we helped out. And I mean, I get paid. It was just like a job to do something. Cause I was trying to figure out what to do with the rest of my life. Right. And then I made my way back to Texas, but it was definitely, a chapter and I loved it and it was just um the nicest people and everyone had a cool den that they turned into a sports room which <laughs> that's not what we have down here and I love that too so it was good that is Canada <laughs> cool den. that's basically <laughs> Wayne's world in a nutshell is yeah. a cool den yes. yeah. yeah we don't have those here I'm like I wish I had a basement I'd love a basement uh all right a lot of folks in Canada know you from NBA Countdown um I feel like, and, and maybe I'm wrong, are you already done with the Katie and Kyrie talk or do you think that something's coming soon I think something, well, I, I fluctuate, to be honest, I, from day to day. It's like, I, oh, I think today's the day Kyrie's a, a Laker, and then we figure out what happens to KD. But then I think, man, if I was the Nets, I'm not moving either one of them. I don't care. You're staying. Uh, so it, it's I do fluctuate. There's a part of me that's just sort of a petty person who doesn't want them to get their way. Um, and it's nothing against them 
particularly. It's just sort of the way the system has continued to play out year after year. It's like, you know, I get that contracts aren't worth much, but they have to be worth at least a little something. So maybe we just play out a year or two of it. You know, for Katie, it'd be another year. And, and Kyrie, you just you just signed back up. So you gotta you gotta stick by your word a little bit. Otherwise, at this point, and for Katie's legacy, like, what are we doing, man? I change jobs a lot. I get it. I'm not gonna <laughs> knock a dude for doing that. But it's like it's a different world. I mean, you you want to build a legacy and sort of be that guy that's equated with like the team and a, and a uniform and a city. And he's just not going to have that when it's all said and done. And he's one of the greatest to have ever played. And it's, it's a weird way that he's going about his journey. Yeah, I feel conflicted on this, too, because like Golden State built the right way. The Bucks built the right way versus superstars manipulating their way into not winning basically outside of LeBron and maybe <laughs> the, the convergence of the two ideas when KD went to Golden State. But this is like an internal fight that I always had, good or bad for basketball. Like, does the super team actually work outside of LeBron? What does your gut tell you about the word soup that I just tried to put into a question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I got it. Totally. Um, I used to think it worked better, but now we're seeing that with the exception, as you mentioned, it doesn't seem to be the trend that I think superstars were hoping for. I mean, right. you mentioned Golden State. No, And look, I'm a Spurs fan. But for me, for my money, the way they've done it, because you could make the argument that even as a Spurs fan that they tanked for Tim Duncan and Tim Duncan's a superstar and was, a you know, obviously the pick. Golden State didn't really do that. These guys, you know, dream on second round. So they did it, I would say, the best way. And then Milwaukee being another one. So the trend might have looked like it was heading that way when Miami and the Heatles and all that. But yeah. it hasn't stuck around as much as I thought it would. And yet. We continue to see superstars want to do it that way, which I find to be the most interesting part is because, right. well, OK, we can let them do it. I mean, if anything else, it gives us all fodder because it's, you know, it's fun to hate on this sort of idea that if you put a bunch of big names together to work, it hasn't worked. And that's what we're continuing to see. So I don't mind it in that regard. It, it helps our jobs, if anything, yeah. selfishly. Thank you, James Harden. Um, listen, <laughs> Thank you, James Harden. <laughs> I, I still think the Raptors probably have the best several options for the Nets and that's not Homer me talking no but, but there is this like addiction to juice that I have tell me that the Lakers <laughs> and your guy LeBron don't have some sort of thing brewing where they could get both Kyrie God. and KD from Brooklyn for I don't know AD Russ and whatever the hell else Brooklyn wants that's the thing is like, we obviously, you know, the, the, the worst secret in the world is nobody wants Russ there. And by the way, that yeah. will always bother me that he was, he and Vogel were both sort of forced to take the brunt of this when we all know that's not how it should have gone down. Um, the AD thing I find interesting because depending on who you talk to, I'm not a huge buyer. Um, I, I want the dude to have more dog in him and it, it, I don't think he's wired that way. And so right. for me, it's, he's a very frustrating player and, you know, not to mention the fact the street clothes and all that, but if they figure out a way to get AD to go, which to me is the biggest obstacle because I just can't see it happening, yeah. it would be monumental. <laughs> the thing about Kyrie and LeBron again, though, is just it's like a relationship that you already had that you broke up for a reason and, and it was kind of public like after the fact. They seem to get along when they played, what have you. But I guess when you're desperate and your time is sort of running out and you think that's your only other option, I want it to happen. Selfishly, I rooted last year for the chaos. We ended up getting it in L.A. It was almost better than I had even hoped for. Uh, so I say do it again. Because if yeah. you manage to get those two guys on that Lakers squad with LeBron and still don't pull it off, 
my goodness. That is a legacy killer, yes. I think, for my money. Hold on a second. Is that Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez? <laughs> Did well, you yeah, just I describe <laughs> Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez? I don't know. Hey, I what, mean, yeah, sometimes it works. <laughs> one more before I let you go. Uh, we just yeah. finished broadcasting the Calgary Stampede oh, yes, yes, on yes, yes, yes. Sportsnet Television Network yes. and our Sportsnet family of channels. Uh, mm. You have been. Did you start in the rodeo? And I, I heard this <laughs> through the grapevine. And two, what's the one thing about the rodeo that us average folk need to Man. understand? It was my first job after being an intern for the Spurs. And it was bull riding specific, which... Oh. Contrary to me growing up in Texas, I don't have horses. I don't like horses. I don't do any of that, right? No. It's not a thing that's common. Okay. Um, it was a new, for me, I had to learn an entirely new language. Like it was a lingo I'd never heard before. There were words I'd never heard before. <laughs> Being behind the shoots of bull riding and the, and the, the cowboys themselves, like it was a legitimate culture shock for me and i'll never forget it it was one of the greatest chapters i swear to god that alarm is going to kill me it is one of the greatest chapters because i ended up making a few friends that have, have stood the test of time but as far as like it's a world i didn't know existed and it's an insanity and it's just there's a fan base you don't even know about and you think yourself as a sports fan and you're like oh, i know everything about sports no apparently we don't it's an entire <laughs> world and there's groupies and there's super fans and there's there's everything that you could possibly want and just chaos and it's hard uh, it's a scary yeah, sport to watch work. live yeah yeah it's, yeah. it's yeah. minor not league hockey one. player and bull rider hard ass work <laughs> no way hard ass <laughs> work indeed <laughs> uh miss beetle i appreciate you doing this thank you for taking the maiden voyage here on tim and friends really appreciate yes. it yes no thanks for having me it's awesome and, and next time hopefully we catch you once you get home <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe not. Maybe yeah. next time it's a bike. We'll yeah, see. maybe it's, I, instead of the Dollar Tree, we'll catch you out in front of a Sears. Right? I yeah. should get paid now for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, thanks, Michelle. Thanks, guys. Uh, there is Michelle Beadle, uh, star of stage and screen in the United States. Mm -hmm. She's Very cool. Yeah. She's a good broadcaster. Even yeah. in the front seat of her car pulled yeah, over at a Dollar it's Tree. It's impressive, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. With the alarm going off. Yeah. Time for break. When we come back, the whirling dervish Ken Reed stops by hour two. Is this Danger Bay? It has to be Danger Bay music. Kenny Reed, Matthew Kachuk, we'll dive into it all next. Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. I feel like Nelly. It's getting hot in her. A little warm Whoa. in the studio. <laughs> Kenny Reed knows it. He's in studio back here, hour number two. Jesse Rubinoff knows it. Full hour, Sportsnet, Sportsnet 360, if we last. Frankly, isn't much going on sports-wise tonight, but we do have a great second hour lined up for you. Frank Saravalli on the latest in Calgary. More on that in a second. Plus, former Expo and Astro Jeff Blum on the All-Star Game, the second half, and grown men pushing kids to the side. <laughs> and oh yeah, Kenny Reed, is, Kenny Reed is here. Uh, Eric Francis told us yesterday on the show that he thought a Matthew Kachuk trade was going to happen and soon, well this afternoon, Haley Salvia and Jeremy Rutherford in the athletics saying Kachuk has indeed notified the Flames that he won't be re-signing long-term in Calgary, meaning a trade will almost certainly happen. Story goes on to say that Kachuk 
hasn't outright asked for a trade, but the writing is on the wall and Kachuk has provided a list of teams which he would sign a long-term deal with if dealt there. You already heard him. The man, the myth, the legend. Not Matthew Kachuk, Kenny Reed in studio. What's going on, Kenny Reed? This I, is a gut punch to a uh, city that you spent a lot of time in. I feel like a Flames fan right now after going 11 out of 10 nights at the Calgary Stampede. I'm exhausted. It's <laughs> hot in here. It's, I, I can't imagine being a Flames fan right now. Uh, it's, it's bad times. But speaking of bad times, if anyone from building maintenance is watching, <laughs> could you please come down to the studio and fix this place? The only thing I compare the heat in the studio to mm. is the summer affair between Joey Jeremiah and Tessa Campanelli in school oh, zone. Yeah. Remember how hot and heated that was in yeah. the back of Joey's Trans Am? That's the same as this. Strategically placed hand on CBC at 8 o'clock. Mm -hmm. It's pretty hot in here. That wasn't Degrassi. That was Schools Out the movie. That was. That concluded it. Yeah. That, until the next generation. You know what yeah, you're saying. Uh, uh, Degrassi, just absolute classic. Second time, I guess, Drake being the first time on this show that we've gone Degrassi. But it does feel like we're in Britain right now. Sorry, that's, that's a desert. <laughs> Did you see that? Uh, I saw one on Twitter that said it's Britain hot. It showed a guy at a pub just with his pants down. Like, Having a point. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a little warm Well, well one of his molars right rotted, you know? It was very British. Uh, so it's, it's fitting that we're talking about the Flames right now yeah. because uh, it is hot in her. It is. They used to play that all the time, by the way, when I went to Cowboys back in the day. They always play hot, <laughs> hot in here. Yeah, it was hot in was, there, that, too. Yeah, it was hot in there. Yeah, uh, yeah Calgary Flames. Beyond gut punch, you better get a haul for Kachuk. I mean, my boy Eric Francis, who's probably soaking at a Sylvan Lake Cottage right now, he broke this story. And uh, I mean, I think we got to get into the bigger picture of, and Eric hinted it last night. I talked to him on Central. Toronto might be in for one, too, when Austin Matthews' contract comes up. And the fact that it, it looks like American kids just don't want to play in Canada anymore. Like, See, to me, that's a big story. It's, it's, it's JT huge. Miller just had their, I mean, listen, his agent said there was a path to him staying in Vancouver. Now, there's always a path. Uh, if you pay him, yeah, <laughs> if you pay him $9 million also, he'll probably stay in Vancouver, but they can't pay him $9 million. They can't even pay him $8 million. And as we're seeing with Nazem Kadri, it looks like those kind of things aren't out there anymore. But, but Josh Norris just signed in Ottawa yeah. long term. Yeah. He's an American kid, although he does have some Canadian heritage in the bones. Jack Campbell just signed five years at $5 million. Campbell, the, Campbell's not like a top tier guy, though. No disrespect to Jack Campbell. I'm talking, five years, $5 million. I'm talking superstar. I'm talking okay. Chuck. I'm talking Goodrow. I'm talking when Austin Matthews comes up. It, I, it was funny. I was talking to my our buddy Terry Ryan today mm -hmm. on his podcast, and we talked about maybe that there's going to be a trend that these American kids don't want to play, and we were kind of wondering why. And Hockey's just such a different game from when we were kids. Nobody from the farm makes it anymore, right? You don't, you don't grow up with nothing and make it anymore. And the American kids that play yeah. this game, they, they're golf rich. I mean, we talk about hockey being an upper-middle-class sport in Canada. In America, these, these kids are golf rich. I mean, yeah. you're not flying from L.A. to play a triple-A game in Phoenix or Chicago if you don't have a few coins to wrap together. So the game has changed. Yeah. and. It's, it's, it's a great point. Guys are starting to dictate what they want because a lot of these guys have gotten what they wanted for their entire lives, and they're in charge. The game is totally different than the game we grew up with. Yeah, the, the other part of this is, and that's a, a wonderful point because those markets especially, right, like – L.A., yeah. we're starting to see Phoenix and a couple of different kids come out of we're, Phoenix. We're seeing kids come out of Arizona. We're yeah. seeing kids come out of California, Texas. Right. This game has totally changed. And if you're playing AAA hockey as a kid in any one of those spots, yeah. it's not as if you're driving around and playing five different teams no. in your loop in no. your city. 
you're crossing state lines you're to rich. play hockey. Your parents are rich. And you've got to pay a lot of money to get that done. <laughs> yep. And you said rich about five times, so well, I get, I get the idea. But no, it's no, but it's, it's a great point. And the other point Talking is... Talking Borden Osmac type money. <laughs> right. Big point. Right. A big type of point. But the other point is is with this pandemic and with the restrictions yep. and the airports yep. and all the pain in the ass that travel has become, mm -hmm. that's enough. Like, all of these things have got all of us to rethink our priorities. Yep. And if you have what you're talking about, the ability at a high end to choose where you want to go, we, we might be in some trouble up here. Say what you want about COVID, no matter what side politically you're on, and COVID did become a political thing. Yeah. If you're Even a if kid, it shouldn't have been. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're a kid from the States and you're living in City X in the summer, you can do whatever you want, and then you come up and play in Canada and you have to do this and you have to do that. Maybe you're going, why am I here? If I get to the other end of the line, I'm out. And Yeah, but it's not even that. Like, it's not even political per se or I want to go out and party per se. Like, it's my parents can't come up to visit. Yeah, and there's, yeah, there's, I mean, there's that too, obviously. I mean, there's a lot. There's, there's a ton. I mean, I, I think, I, I know people don't talk about it because it's not popular, but I think a lot of American players coming up here and, you know, we're a lot stricter. That might have an impact on it. The yeah, fact that their doubt. parents can't come up, that yeah. might have an impact on it. Tax implications. The fact that uh, it's, I think, hockey is turning into a little more me than we. It used to be a totally we sport. You're seeing a little more me in hockey. You look yeah. at the NBA. The NBA, to me, is a me sport. Guys go where they want. They load up on their super teams. And I think we're seeing that maybe starting in hockey. I think basketball is a little different because you got five starters and a me can change an entire team Absolutely. if he goes to it. Uh, I don't know if hockey's the same where a me can but change I, an entire team. But I think that's creeping into it. hockey, the, the me part. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're just old school and you think that I some am. kid with personality means it's a me guy. I and might. not a wee guy. Yeah, I might. I but might argue that with you, but I get the generalization that yeah. there is a little bit more of that coming into the game without yep. a doubt. Yeah. But I don't want to get caught in the semantics of it all without representing the other side. It's too hot to fight in here today. <laughs> Man, did Gus give me a tight cut or what? Oh, yeah. this is a nice cut. There you go, did Gus. Salon deux. Gus comes in now and cuts our hair. That's a that's a big mm -hmm. change for I, me. I was just gonna say, like the fade looks sharp. Like that's not that's not that's a big city cut right there. Is tight, his yeah. is uh, tighter than. But mine he left the size burns. What's going on? I, so. Yeah. Gus asked sorry, me what I want to do with sorry, the birds. Let Jesse complain about yeah. his haircut. No, I'm there. not complaining at all. Gus did a fantastic job. I'm just saying his is a little tighter, which is, that's not, It's a couple of metrosexuals here comparing our hair. That's, that's the, the way he wanted it to free go. Free haircuts totally and guys are complaining. Mine. What's going on? No, no, no. I there's zero complaints. You just got a free haircut over there. The guy's unbelievable. You did say that it might be a little bit tight. I don't know. Like, listen, maybe I heard something. He's a men's league goalie, too, Gus. We should get, get him down here as our goalie expert. <laughs> Cuts our hair. He can provide goalie expertise. So hold on a second. Slow this down. You, you guys get free haircuts. I don't get the free you haircuts. Can, Gus can shave your head. I, I do get a, I do get you're a free You're not on haircut. the email? No, I do get a free haircut at home with a big yeah. razor. That's are, right. are you seriously not on the haircut email that, that, that Kareen, the makeup guru, sends out? If there's an email that comes across you can get a beard that trim. says haircut, yeah. Do you think I'm really clicking on that? No. But no, you're on probably. the list. Okay, but hold That's on. That's the important thing. Hold you're on, on the list. Just, just wait a second. The sideburns. Oh, yes. Did Gus talk to you about yes, the sideburns? Yes, he did. Because he did. the sideburns, like, went out of style, like, 
eight years ago. Uh, I've had them and since then, like, 19, 16 years I've had ago. Had them since 1992. And I know Osmac asks about the sideburns also. Mm-hmm. They're a little that's, short. That's the shortest I've ever seen. So the Gus asked me what I wanted to do with my sideburns. I said, "Don't touch." But then <laughs> evidently he did a little. Don't touch them again, Gus. Don't cross me, man. But he took him up a little. Like a guy's styling your hair. He wants to feel like he's done something. If it was up to me, you know. No, but it's the fade. The fade's tight. No, yeah, he, that's what I mean. He went to work. Oh, yeah, I told him, go did on. a good job. Mm-hmm. I told him, go on. So last time he did one and a half, and I said, take her to the bone, kid. He would so. cut your beard, I'm sure. Um, producer just whispered in my ear, more of this gripping conversation. <laughs> right. I, it's the slowest sports day of the year. I don't mind having this. I used to have a barber who was an Italian barber. who was Frank and rather famous. Did he go bankrupt podcast. now? And uh, no, he's, yeah. st- he's still around. Because you're bald and don't need your haircut. <laughs> he, he, uh, they haven't established that yet. He, there, there were more than just one customer for Frank, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. He used to call them size burns. Hey, you want size burns? <laughs> <laughs> you want size burns? Oh, that's right. awesome. Before we go to break, uh, a little soccer. I know Ken's a huge fan, so we're going to give him a little taste Massive. here. Huge summer like for the woman's zoom in. in. <laughs> they took me right out of the picture. CONCACAF championship uh, just wrapped up for the women with the United States beating Canada in the final. Meantime, Morocco will face South Africa in the African Cup of Nations final on Saturday. In the semis, Morocco played Nigeria in front of uh, an African women's record of over 45,000 wow. fans. And the women's Euros in England have been setting record attendance throughout almost 69,000 for the tournament opener between England and Australia. Today, the quarterfinals got underway and England hoping to make their way back to the semis and maybe even the finals. Spain, England, got it good and since you understood, England had not allowed a goal in the group stage. Outscoring opponents 14-0. But in the 54th minute, guess who gets on the board first? Athena del Castillo goes into the area. Esther Gonzalez will pick it out and slot it home. Spain a 1-0 lead, but in the 84th minute, the hosts respond. Cross headed over to Ella Toon. Volley good. And the match is tied at one apiece. We would go to extra time. And in front of the full house in extra time, England on the attack. Smell glory indeed. Georgia Stanway. England off to the semifinals. 2-1 is your final in extra time. Dobby called that a cork. Look at this nice cork. Goal. That was a beauty shot. Yeah, That's outside nice. the 18-yard box. Yes. About 21 yards away, I'd say. About 21, yeah. <laughs> is that the guesstimate? Well, yeah, it was yeah, three yeah, yards right. outside the 18. <laughs> time for a break, but it was maybe a little off to the side, too. Time for us to open a door. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, Frank Saravelli will join the sweating Wonder trio. Wonder if he likes air conditioning. <laughs> we get his thoughts on the Matthew Kachuk situation in Calgary and where he mind, might end up if the Flames deal him. Plus, the latest on JT Miller, Nazem Kadri, the trickle-down effect, Tim and Ken, Jesse, next. Boudreaux signs with the Columbus Blue Jackets for $68.6 million, and it is a seven-year deal. 
But then when you see Columbus kind of come out of nowhere, everybody's saying to themselves, wait a minute, uh, it really did, I think, shake a lot of people to the core in the hockey community and just the community in general. The Flames announced that they had filed for club-elected salary arbitration with Matthew Kachuk. It's no secret that the Flames have been trying to work out a long-term extension with the restricted free agent. So what does this mean for his future in Calgary? When you smell smoke, you look for fire. And I smell a lot of smoke around Matthew Kachuk. Are we getting into a situation where players, especially if they're American players, want to leave Canada if they have the option of doing so? NBA has been called, as we've been talking about all this week. Matthew Kachuk appears on the way out in Calgary today. The Athletic citing sources saying what Eric Francis told us yesterday that Matthew Kachuk won't sign or re-sign in Calgary and a trade seems like a sure thing. Oh, doctor. One of our next guests, one of the most plugged-in insiders in all of sports, friend of the show from the Daily Face-Up, it's Frank Saravelli. Thanks for jumping back on with us, Frank. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm just cooler than you guys. You guys hanging in there? <laughs> Your air-conditioned so basement, good. as you were telling us during the break. Yeah, Very well, nice. What was the number down there? It was uh, 16 degrees Celsius in here. Perfect nice. for talking to you guys. Nice. That's and cool. how's that about American there? Going Celsius, adapting to life in Canada. Apparently, unlike uh, many American NHLers, we, we've kind of been having this conversation here, Frank. Are you hearing the same things that, like, American players, if given the option now, uh, I know it's case by case and I don't want to generalize here. However, um, a lot of them are choosing to go back home. Yeah, I think it'd be dangerous to overgeneralize yeah. because there's a number of prominent American-born players that I think are really happy playing in Canada. Um, the Flames were just able to convince one in Blake Coleman to come up you know, just recently in free agency, but go around the league. And, and there's certainly some question marks that exist. We saw what happened with Johnny Gaudreau. We saw now what's unfolding with Matthew Kachuk. What's next for JT Miller in Vancouver. And then a couple years down the line, we'll be having this same conversation ad nauseum until there's pen to paper on Austin Matthews and his future status with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think you can park a lot of that because I believe Austin Matthews is going to be a Toronto Maple Leaf for life. I think he's absolutely loved his time in Toronto. Um, but it's a case-by-case -case basis. There's no doubt about that. JT Miller's agent saying uh, on this day that there's a door open for the Vancouver Canucks to re-sign him. I still think his preference, and given the way these talks have gone with the Canucks to this point, which is absolutely nowhere, that his preference would be to play closer to home as well, uh, south of the border. So, um, you know, players don't pick where they're drafted, but at a certain point in their career, they will have an opportunity or option to go somewhere else via unrestricted free agency. And you're now seeing these guys exercise a bit of those rights and flex those muscles. Frank, it's such a different game than the one old guys like Timmy and I grew up with when, when guys really didn't get free agency. And if Brendan Shanahan signed somewhere, Scott Stevens was going the other way. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the world's changed a lot. Um, it's just something Canadian hockey fans are going to have to accept that the game, to me at least, appears to be a little more me than we. I mean, I might be out in right field saying that, but that's just how I look at it. I, I see the game changing economically well, and I see it changing just in the in the way it's played I think part of that is fair part of it is also like they've earned that right and option if that's mm -hmm. what they want to do I, I don't know that it's 
you know, I think COVID, to be honest, had a big part of this, you know, seeing Mm -hmm. the stark difference in how players lived in the U.S. versus how players lived in Canada and the different restrictions that were in place. Um, You know, going back a number of years before that, it was a currency exchange issue that was a big difference. Um, There are other players that absolutely love playing in Canada. They love the spotlight. They love the buzz. They love playing in a hockey city. Johnny Gaudreau referenced that in his uh, letter to fans on the Players' Tribune earlier today, saying, look, um, when I first got to Calgary, it was like, wow, I can't believe that I'm playing in a hockey city where this really matters. And for some guys, that that buzz is intoxicating, and I understand it. Um, And I've, you know, personally, we, we were just talking about it, the idea of, Uh, being an American and working in Canada, like it's all I've ever wanted to do. You want to cover hockey. You want to go to the place that it means the most. You want to play hockey. Some guys want to play in places where it means the most and other guys would like to have as little spotlight on them as possible to be anonymous, um, you know, to not have the pressure that comes with executing where everything is, you know, live and die by the puck and, and hockey is religion. So it, it's not one size fits all. And I think it would be dangerous to categorize it that way. Yeah. All right. So let's let's buckle down on the actual uh, Matthew Kachuk deal that seemingly is in- inevitable. Uh, does it feel like it's getting done soon here to you, Frank? No, it it doesn't in like the immediate short term as in we're going to stop chatting today and there's going to be a deal that surfaces tonight. I think in an absolute perfect world with the situation that's been presented to the Calgary Flames, they would love to have a trade in place by the time his arbitration is scheduled, that hearing. And we don't even have a date for that yet, but we know that it's going to be sometime in the first half of August. That's really where the rubber meets the road in that sense. But I would I would say to you this, the Calgary Flames understand the position that they're in and, and the wall that they've been backed up against. And they're not going to be strong-armed into making a deal here that doesn't work for them. Matthew Kachuk is a unicorn in the NHL. There are so few players that have his size, his size, his skill set, his his brawn that comes with his game and the way that he's a driver, not just as a winger, but also as the heartbeat of a team that, you know, they're also dealing with a spot where there's only a handful of teams that he's likely willing to sign a long-term extension with. He's let the Flames know who those teams are. In short order, if they don't know already, those teams will know who they are. And that decreases the Flames' leverage, which makes it harder in addition to the contract that he needs to be paid and, and will be handsomely paid, you know, north of $10 million in an AAV on a long-term deal, that this is not something that's easy to execute. You know, when you look back, Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet Radio in Calgary, he was all over the timeline earlier today. This was actually something that was presented to the Calgary Flames last week, and they've been able to keep it under wraps to this point. But it also gives you an indication with the conversations that have been unfolding to this point that they're not exactly close yet. And I truly believe that with how long we've seen other other deals take, such as Jack Eichel uh, recently with the Buffalo Sabres going to Vegas, it took months and months. The Flames are willing to, if need be, enter this upcoming season with Matthew Kachuk on the roster if it takes getting the deal that they find suitable for this unicorn-type player. We just have the Eichel trade up on the screen now, what went down with Vegas. If I'm Calgary, you have to get way more than that. You got, you got what, between 
Kachuk off the books and Goudreau off the books, that's what, about 20 million bucks? You can get yeah. some really good assets. Like immediate, to me, immediate guys, immediate guys. Yeah, what's the, what's the hall like here, Frank? That's really what's up to the Calgary Flames is do you want something that's going to help you right now in the immediate short term? Are you looking to cover up the holes that you now have in your lineup? Look, you can't go out and replace, and I don't care what trade it is, who you're making it with. You can't replace those two guys that are two 100-point scorers that are likely walking from your team in short order. Um, That's impossible to do, but the key is – you know, do you want something now and an eye toward the future? Is it all now? The answer to the question is the Calgary Flames are just trying to get the best deal available to them, whatever that looks like, whatever, however it presents itself. I know it's dangerous to go to the Internet for information, but sometimes uh, our viewers do that. And I kept seeing Kairou Krug in a first-round pick for Kachuk and seeing that that was turned down by Calgary. Um, I, I, have you heard anything like that? I have not heard anything like that. I don't think that they've, you know, I do think that there's been conversations that have been had between the Flames and teams to this point that obviously if they had met a level like that, we'd be talking probably in a, in a different universe. You know, we, we'd have something that would have materialized yeah. by now, I would imagine, uh, because that's a significant deal to put on the table. I can tell you this about the St. Louis Blues, who there's been lots of talk and speculation about, of course, with Matthew Kachuk being from St. Louis, that they have, and Doug Armstrong, their GM, has been working behind the scenes for the last number of weeks pretty quietly. I was the first person to put Krug's name out there in terms of being on my trade targets board, and people were saying, what are you, nuts? They're not trading this guy. They've also got Vladimir Tarasenko, another player that they could move. Uh, But what that means to me is... Doug Armstrong has been looking at this with a long-term lens saying if Matthew Kachuk eventually becomes available, he's been canvassing a number of clubs to say, hey, what is this guy worth? What could I get for this guy if I'm trying to move out dollars? You know, an easy solution would be to send some of those dollars to a team uh, that's a, that you're, you're acquiring the player from, and that certainly would be an option that would be on the table, I would imagine, uh, but the Flames have some other things that they'd probably like to consider as well. So there may be a number of moving parts to whatever transaction takes shape in the coming days beforehand. Am I way too optimistic when I say this is a good opportunity for Calgary? Like, I think they can, they're going to have to redefine who they are. It's 219 points. It's 219 points, but at least they know, like, right. they have to get it done. And, I mean, right. I'm trying to be optimistic here. They, and the first thing I'm asking anyone who I'm trading for is, do you want to play here? Do you want to be here? I think <laughs> yeah. Canadian teams really have to start asking players that, regardless of where they're from. I really think they have to start asking players that. Better to know now, right? Yeah. And and before going down that path. I, I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of reason to be optimistic because we don't know what this trade looks like yet. But I think no matter what happens, it's probably hard to say that the Calgary Flames are going to be at the competitive level that they were last year when they won the Pacific Division. But I can say this, um, you know, they're certainly in a spot where they're asking themselves today, you know, yesterday over the weekend, where do we go wrong here? What did we do? And my answer to that is nothing. You know, you can't control that Johnny Gaudreau's dad had a heart attack. He wants to be closer to home and he's got a baby on the way and his wife would be like to be closer to home too. You can't control that Matthew Kachuk has let you know that he'd like to play south of the border. 
those two things are, are not what's in your purview. What is in your purview is that you've put a massive offer on the table for Johnny Gaudreau, and I would imagine, you know, a very similar type offer for Matthew Kachuk as well, given the stature of player that he is. On top of that, you won the division, as I mentioned, and you were in a spot where you went all in at the trade deadline. Like you did everything you could to try and deliver a Stanley Cup to your city and your fan base. And now you're left holding the bag. It's not a good feeling. It may be a stink that the Calgary Flames have to bathe in for a while, especially next season. But I think you pick yourself up from this. You make the best moves that you can, and you put your team on a path towards being competitive again, whether it's scratching and clawing to get into the playoffs next year or what have you, uh, and rebuild a team that you know certainly could be has the pieces to be something in the future. All right, Frank just took all my optimism away with that answer. We, we've completely run out of time, but I want you to give me a yes, no, or a eh on this one. Is there a ch- I cheer for chaos here? It is Nylander was trending in Canada when this news came out there, and there's like this Ottawa angle that just makes me smile. It's guaranteed that he wants to go to the U.S.? I believe that's what Matthew Kachuk has informed the, the Calgary Flames, is that his intention would be to sign long-term with a team in the U.S. So I would think that that wipes the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Ottawa Senators off the table. But if you're a team like the Leafs, you got to be sitting there thinking, like, who would we give up to make this happen? Um, and I don't know if you're you're even looking at it and saying, hey, uh, I think Nylander, wasn't he born in Calgary? Like, I don't know. You begin to connect the dots. But I'm going to go, eh, probably not. Okay. Uh, I think this is a U.S. thing. And in addition to St. Louis, I would circle uh, the Kachuk's cousins, uh, the Fitzgeralds, who run the New Jersey Devils. All right. And the guy didn't sign there, left a little bit of a spot there. There's some talented centers that he could play with. Frank, appreciate you doing this, man. Thanks, guys. Stay cool. See you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Frank Cerevelli <laughs> in the cooled basement studio sharp. at the Cerevelli Complex. I'm going to have to change clothes for tonight's show. I'm on Sports <laughs> yeah. Central tonight at yeah, 10. Just don't take off the jacket because there might be some stuff. Some Norm Peterson's <laughs> in the armpits. Yeah. Good reference. That's my old buddy Derek the Body Bidwell used to say that. Yeah. The Norm Petersons. The Norm Petersons. Yeah. All right, when we come back, we're joined by uh, hey, a former Montreal Expo. Yes. Jeff Blum, currently working as a Nationals broadcaster, talking baseball next year. Tim, Ken, and Jesse. Welcome to the 2022 MLB All-Star Game. For the first time since 1980, the All-Star Game returns to Dodger Stadium. That's swatted up the middle. Spear with a backhand by Jimenez. What a play! The turn two. A sparkling double play. That ball is crushed to left center field. Paul Goldschmidt hits it out. 2-0 National League. Alec Manoa takes the mound for the AL. We're just going to try and come attack these guys. Here we go, there's one. Here we go, there's two. He caught it. Right down the middle, but we'll take it. Three punches. Let's go. That ball is hammered to left center field. Goodbye. Two-run shot. Tie game. He turns on a ball and hits it a mile. Byron Buxton puts the AL in front. Posse strikes out the side in the ninth inning. And the American League wins the All-Star Game for the ninth consecutive season. 
feel like we need to see more of all of that. Baseball mm-hmm. showed us what they can be every game on TV, I think, last night. Yeah. If, if the players let the TV people do what they want to do. Yeah, really. I don't know if you can wear the earpiece the entire game. Why not? But man. Uh, Kenny and I remember our next guest from his time with the Expos, but uh, we understand that uh, there are a few uh, folks that have more hair than I do that weren't alive when the Expos were a thing. He's also a 14-year vet in the show. You can see him on the MLB Network, Houston Nationals broadcast. And if you know your baseball podcast, the aptly named Bleacher Blums. His name is Jeff Blum. Thanks for doing this with Tim, Kenny, and Jesse here. Hey, you already gave me a plug, so I'm in there to you for life, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, what about you? Did, you? did you get the feeling, and listen, both Kenny and I have old school tendency. Uh, Kenny a little more old school than I, but we both watched last night and thought, man, this is, we're seeing some personality here. I'd love to see more of this. I'm with you on that. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard for us uh, regional sports networks to be able to have that kind of access and have the uh, the technical support to be able to pull that off. But I think what they showcased last night is a possibility that the, that you could actually go out there and do something like that. Yeah. You know, we, we try every once in a while to get the headset in the dugout, talk to coaches, talk to players, but to actually have the in-game uh, banter between them is interesting just in the sense, you know, you guys are showing Alec Manoa, who I'm, I'm already a fan of but even more so after watching him last night but just get inside the brain of these guys see how they function see how they work granted this was an exhibition type style game but you still got an opportunity to get a real small glimpse of what is actually going on on the field and I think that's what baseball needs to do a little bit more I'm with you guys I enjoyed it and if you could just take an inning and just put an earpiece on about three or four guys maybe up the middle of the field and just have them communicate a little bit I think that would make for fascinating TV and give fans a little more insight into what's actually happening in a happening in a game that looks slow on TV but in the mind it's moving I mean I loved everything from Manoa's yeah. grunts to to telling you know John Smoltz that's sexy it's a second year guy <laughs> talking to a Hall of Famer going yeah. that's sexy as a broadcaster Jeff how, how fun would that be for you to be able to I'm not saying you'd interact with the player during a normal game but I mean possible maybe yeah it, it would be great for me I, I think that you know you talked about us being a little bit older. We are. We watched a game in the 70s, 80s, and 90s growing up. I played through the steroid era, and I, I kind of got out of the game as the analytics became a part of baseball. Mm-hmm. And now this modern-day baseball player is such an incredible athlete who is throwing the baseball at 95-plus miles an hour with these spin rates we've never even heard of. You've got guys hitting we, – well, I learned a new word for home run last night, pumps. You know, Garrett Cole was talking about <laughs> how many pumps you got. So that that was fascinating to me, too. And these guys are hitting balls four. 150 feet so why wouldn't we want to get as close as we possibly could to these guys and more often than not we see them as numbers we see we see them in the uniform and now you get to see them as a personality and then you put them in an extreme situation like a game and you get to see even more people don't remember numbers people remember stories and the players themselves yeah. told the stories last night and it, and again to me sports resonates when my mom talks about it she was talking about the all-star game the stories are resonating. Seeing those players like that, to me, it, this is on a tee for baseball right now to take this to the next level. And they've got, they've got personalities and the stars to pull it off. Like, that's the, like when, when the NBA blew up, they're, they're, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson yep. had the personality to do it. And they were, that's, that's what I, that was struck me about baseball is the home run derby, you know, like on through, we saw a lot of stars, real good players with real good personalities, Jeff. 
That's the thing. And I think what's great for baseball, too, they're constantly saying, how do we engage this younger younger crowd? How do we get more young fans yes. involved? I tell you what, just show replays of the home run derby like you're talking about. Julio Rodriguez and Juan Soto are two guys that are 23 years old, old and younger. So it's amazing to me that you're able to put them in the finals and have them produce the way they did. They were mic'd up. You saw their boys coming yeah. over to mm -hmm. them, pumping them up and saying things like that. But also you've got a, a, an entire division of 25-year-old guys and younger who are leading the way in these sports you, you've got these uh you know these unbelievable talents and then you put these unbelievable attitudes with them and then you have something that you could really put out there market and sell and bring in some of these young fans and encourage even the 12 year old ball player who's running around a field right now going i want to be the next juan soto i want to be the next aaron judge or did you see the way that alec manoa performed on the field i want to be just like that yeah. and you and then you change the player into a mentality of a player and you get more athletes out of it. Absolutely. We both have, Tim and I both yeah, have smiling. young sons who are huge into baseball. They're, they're little baseball rats. They're getting balls at BP all the time. Uh, Jeff, I want to get into this. We got the, the Tim Raines Expos hat. Uh, this whole studio is basically a man cave. We got a Mark Messier sign picture over there, Donovan Bailey. Look, I'm admit, I'm a fully grown man. I have a man cave. I'm a nerd. I got my Tim Raines jersey on the wall, my Gary Carter jersey <laughs> on the wall. There's a certain way about doing things, though, as a fully grown man. I want to get your take on autograph guy at the All-Star game. I don't know if you saw this, but we had this at the end of the show yesterday. And this is oh, grown man. blank man pushing <laughs> yeah, young kid, the kid out of the way to get the autograph. Jeff Come Blum on, is there. What happens? Uh, that ball disappears. <laughs> I'm going to grab it from him. I'm going to fire it behind him about 30, 40 feet, get him out of the way, and then let these kids get in there who actually want to get the autograph. That's the hardest thing about being a, you know, a, a professional athlete in any sport is you're going to get these kids you truly love and would you know adore the fact that you actually took their baseball and took the time to interact with mm -hmm. them, ask them how they're doing, grab their baseball, sign it, and look them in the eyes as you give it back to them. But you get schmucks like this who, who <laughs> decide to take it on themselves to 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 put themselves ahead of kids i don't know where that mentality sets in i don't know if you know is it a dollar value or is it the fact that he's going to say that oh i got so-and-so's autograph but i i have when i broadcast a game i'm broadcasting to those kids that yeah. want to play the game i want to encourage and nurture the game and guys like that are not the ones that are going to nurture it i don't know do you guys see the zach granke video in kansas city yeah we threw the, the ball <laughs> Took it and threw it into the upper deck. I think that, I think that I might have to adopt that philosophy. That was a good one. It might. My, my kid loves going and getting autographs at BP. Yeah. I tell him, be polite, be aggressive, but mostly be polite and be kind. And that guy violated everything. And plus, Buddy's got a baseball and a Sharpie. We all know a Sharpie bleeds on a baseball. Use a ballpoint pen, you donkey. Exactly, you rookie. Come on, man. Exactly. Don't leave any more rookies floating around. The kids know what's going on. Exactly. That's probably what the kids going. Like, you got a Sharpie there, bud, on the baseball? That was just, everything was, everything that was wrong with that is so wrong. I got a 12-year-old boy, and his two best experiences at ball games are Trent Thornton and Luke Maley. And yep. he'll remember those, like, it's not the superstars of the game. It's, he, was, he had a catcher's glove, and Luke Maley was catching for the Jays at the time. Oh, he man. saw the catcher's glove, and he walked over, and he goes, hey, you want a ball? He goes, yeah, I'd love a ball. And he comes over and pops a ball. And so Luke Maley's one of his guys. My guy loves Sergio Rivero now from right. Kansas City, who got called up from the minors last mm -hmm. week in Toronto. He signed a ball for him. So yep. there you go. Trent Thornton, same thing. Yep. Stop, sign a ball. I, like Just seeing those guys, the and I know what they're doing. It's a collector's, right? 
That's a collector. I don't know what that dude's doing, but uh, he's not going to get any money for a Sharpie on a baseball. I can tell you that, right, Jeff? I mean, well, come on. the beauty of social media right now, too, is he's oh, getting yeah. exposed. Oh, yeah. and now his face <laughs> is out there, and hopefully he's on that wanted list in the clubhouse where you say, don't sign for that guy. <laughs> just keep moving on, man. Uh, all right, last one for you. We, we, we're hearing some rule changes over the All-Star break. What jumps out at you the most or that you want to see or don't want to see? Uh, the first one, I do not want to see the bigger base. I, I don't know how many incidents there's been at first base where you need to employ a bigger bag. I, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. And, it, and no offense to the softball players out there, but this is a grown man sport. And if you can't handle yourself around the bag or your, your infielder gives you a bad enough throw that creates a collision, hey, that's the luck of the draw. We've all been playing through it. Uh, I don't like the bigger bag. I think shifting needs to be adjusted. I like the idea of the shift because analytics show you how you're going to go out there and defend a guy to get uh, you know, increase your win probability and increase the opportunity for your pitcher to get more outs pitch deeper in a game. The only thing I don't like is that it's not fair for a right-handed hitter to have a shortstop not playing shallow left field because the throw is so long. But if I'm a left-handed hitter, their second baseman yeah. can play almost in right field and mm -hmm. still throw me out. So my idea is bring every, if you're an infielder, cleats on the dirt you've got to stay on the dirt you can shift and move wherever you want that'll keep you from having guys playing shallow right field it'll also keep the four-man outfield out of the question i like the traditionality of keeping infielders in the infield outfielders in the outfield um, but I, I man the pitch clock i think is coming we might as well just get mentally prepared for that i've heard great things about it yeah me too um, i'm not sold on it yet but there are certain pitchers like you guys know watching a game where you're going come on dude just throw the ball man <laughs> yeah but um, the only thing, and the last thing I'll say, the automated strike zone, I was anti-automated -stri strike zone until this season. Really? I have, oh my gosh. I don't bad. know if it's just the Astros or watching games no. when I'm on, you know, watching uh, games on TV. I'm just going, are you serious right now? How How is this guy still have a job calling pitches that are a foot and a half out of the zone? The fact that we don't just specify Angel Hernandez anymore tells me it's getting out of control. <laughs> you guys have to say, yeah, yeah. There's more guys. Yeah, yeah there's more. There's several there's guys. There's a handful on there that I would, I would add to that list, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah there are a few guys. Uh, again, the podcast is called Bleacher Blums. It is Jeff Blum. Uh, we appreciate the former Expo dropping in. Expos for life, for baby. Fibles Expo. Oh, you better believe it, man. Oh, yeah. Three of my three of my most fun years in the big leagues was those three years at the Big O, having a great time with Vlad Guerrero, yeah. Pedro, Cabrera, all these guys. That was a blast. I love being in Montreal. No. So thanks for having me on, too, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, say hi to everybody at Crescent Street as well. If yeah. Might be out there <laughs> yeah. I was saying for myself. <laughs> thanks, <Yeah>. Jeff. <laughs> Good times. Thanks. See there you, is uh, Jeff Blum currently man. working for the Astros. He's, he's as old school as I am. I love it. All right. Time for one last break. Uh, we'll see if Jesse goes old school with last call. I think he's dehydrated over there. There might be a little, uh, little Ric Flair. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Oh, Rick got opened up. Okay. If, if you're going to do Ric Flair, you got Woo! No, I was just Woo! breathing. Oh, I see. To be honest. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is Last Call. Kenny Reed was uh, outside the studio trying to cool off. He's got the jacket off. We see he's got the Norm Petersons on. Norm Petersons going. <laughs> Cover up the Norm Petersons with his nice jacket. I like, I like this bat, too. I like this outlook. Yeah. All right, let's see uh, if you can swing it on Last Call with Jesse Rubin on. Right, swing it over Jess. Uh, okay, let's begin with uh, basketball. Earlier in the offseason, there was a report that Raptors forward OG Ananobi was unhappy with his role on the team. 
And today, Nick Nurse was asked about it during an appearance on Sirius XM Radio. That role thing is usually they're not getting enough shots, right? And he wants to be more part of the offense. So um, I certainly can help him with that. I can I can design plays. I can get him in situations, etc. But I, but uh, but it's kind of a working relationship that he's got to go take some of that, right? And uh, we're we're pretty. You know, if you if you grab a rebound, you can bring it up the floor and go make a play. And and um, you know, if you got mismatches, if you got a chance to beat people, we know we want you to do that. And he's talented enough to do it. There's a lot of guys out there, five guys out there, and I, and on our team, you know, all of them can score. And we just got to you know maybe distribute it a little bit more and get him involved a little bit more. I think we can. I think he's good enough to do it. And in saying all that, he's a great defender, and I, I really want him to continue to excel at taking the team's best player and trying to shut him out. What did you make of that? It's, uh, it's an interesting one, without a doubt. I, I know we're going to get to the Vegas over and under again, but yeah. it was the first kind of admission that we heard that there may have yeah, been a little bit of a rift between that. the two. Yeah, yeah. So if you wanted to stop there, I agree with you. There, there seemed to be a little bit of an admission that maybe there was something there between the OG unhappy and... I give that the old family feud. Good answer, good answer. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be such a challenge for a coach to try to make everybody happy. All without a doubt. Oh, man. I think that makes him uh, target number one in a Durant trade scenario because there is that perhaps little bit of a rift. Rift? Uh, I think he was already part of the mix. I know Scotty Barnes yeah. is what they want, but I think if you were going down the list, it's Pascal and OG right there yeah. in any trade. So, yeah. I mean, the, he is a very valuable piece. For sure. Doubt. Okay, you saw what we flashed up there on the screen. We stayed with the Raptors. Vegas has set their over-under for wins next season at 44 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> the Raptors have surpassed the total in each of the last 10 seasons except for their pandemic season in Tampa, but that did not count at all. So, Timmy, is this easy money? It seems like it, does it not? 44 and a half is ridiculous. That's 44 and a half? Like, ridiculous. I, I, I keep thinking, and every year, Kenny, we bring this up on the show. We, we talk to the coaches about it. It's an internal yeah, show. Weird. It's weird. At the Raptors. Like, this feels like we're just taking money from the books here. Now, you that's can probably take it, our, take it. No, but that's probably our mush. That's, we probably jinxed it. But 44 and a half? But it's like, okay. Well, so they, but what, 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 who are they going to be, right? Just, they could change it. Like, they could be a really different team by the time things tip off. Yeah, right? I mean, if they get Durant, they're right. winning more than 44 games. Right, exactly. And if they stay the same way, I think they're still winning more than 44 games. Uh, yeah. Well, What's like, your money on it then, McAuliffe? I, I have. Well. Okay, that. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the American League, like, winning nine straight is kind of random, I think, but them beating the win total nine straight years is not, no, random. That's not they, random. They have been better. That's just a wrong number nine straight years. No, but that spe- and that speaks to the, the franchise, does it not, Kenny? Like, if you overdo Vegas's over-under every year, You're doing it, something spe- right. it speaks to something within the franchise that you exceed expectations. I'm so confused right now. Yes, it does. It does. Because they know what they're doing. Those guys that put the odds together, they know what they're doing. They kind of sort of know what they're yeah, doing. They kinda sort of every do. year, the Raptors go over the number. Yeah, but maybe that's also maybe a little disrespect from, you know, not getting that coverage down in America. Yeah, you can go that maybe. angle, too. Maybe. Fair point. Canada's Aaron Brown is through to the final of the men's 200 meters at the World Track and Field Championships. In Oregon, Brown ran a 20.10 in last night's semi-final to qualify for tomorrow's final. Tim has Brown's career been underappreciated due to all of Andre DeGrasse's success. Okay, I'm a fan of this kid, uh, Kenny, so tell me, tell me 
He is the only man to qualify for the 100 and 200 finals in each of the last three major championships. The only man on planet Earth mm -hmm. to qualify for the 1 and 200 in each of the last three major championships. So okay. world championships and Olympics, yeah. okay? But he hasn't podium. Right, you gotta be on the podium, right? Do you, this is, you could be one of the top eight in the world in two different disciplines. And that's not good enough because you have to be on a podium. You do. Yeah. And you see that trophy back there that you no longer let me put on the show? Yeah. I didn't get that for finishing fourth. In the world? In Pictel. That's a, it's a very interesting point. It's a very interesting point. It's, it's like the eighth best player in the NBA. But of course it's overshadowed a lot of by the right? Yeah, the eighth best player in every in sport, sport yeah. anywhere gets a ton of love. But if you don't win or get on the podium in track and field, it's almost like you don't exist. And mm -hmm. I... I just, I'm such a fan of athletes. That's when, yeah, like, that's the crazy. old 4 by 100 right? And you get well, your depth and stuff like that. Well, that's where he's, but that's of where he's going back. Of course he's been yeah. overshadowed by DeGrasse, of course. Uh, okay, the New York Giants announced today that they're bringing back their classic blue uniforms from the 80s and 90s. This is specifically for Ken Reed. And they're doing Lawrence it for two Taylor. legacy games this season. Ken, what's your all-time favorite jersey? Okay, there's several. It can change by the moment. Okay. Because we had Jeff on. I got to give a shout-out to my Montreal Expos. And also, and, and that's the baby blues. Yeah, the baby blues. Okay. Also, I'm going to go off the board, and this is on, in honor of Jeff Merrick, who likes to go a little hipster on these. I'm going to go Vancouver Blazers WHA. They had a great look back in the day. Okay. Uh, there it is. Look at that. That is absolutely fantastic. Uh, that looks like it's in slot shot. I think yes, exactly. The, the greatest thing the that's W. That's a terrible jersey. The I greatest mean, thing the WHA did was bring personality and color to the game, and. That. Their uniforms are absolutely outstanding. And oh, I, I, I for the L. That's terrible. I tend so, to like okay. the, the loud fashion. That was fantastic. Kansas City Scouts. Okay. Uh, Colorado Rockies. Uh, the old school hockey yeah. one. There's so many great jerseys out there. Most of them are from the 70s. And, and everyone says hard for me. You can cool. buy the Blazers one for four interest-free installments of 2240. Oh, nice. Really? Yeah. San Diego Padres? Oh, 80 San Diego Padres. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, Gary I, Templeton, Tony Gwynn. I, that I, era, 84. I thought you'd go there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I got it. Hat of that team, so there you go. I like the funky stuff. I know you do. I got one more for you. Uh, some news from the world of professional wrestling. The lineup has been set for Ric Flair's retirement yes. match July 31st in Nashville. baby. Woo! The 73-year-old Flair will team up with his son-in-law, Andrade Il, El Idolo. There you got it. To face Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Flair's first retirement match happened at WrestleMania 24 in 2008 <laughs> against Shawn Michaels. Ken, will his retirement stick this time? No, he is the kiss. He is the the who of wrestlers. And Rick's going out hard. If he is going out, he opened himself up in a uh, promo video. In the, the promo other video, oh, yeah. Jeff Jarrett was yeah. giving it to him. And the next thing you know, Rick's red, old school. And he even told the guy to F off. I oh mean, my, it's on oh adultery. Goodness. It is like, no, uh, there's really? no holds barred. I know, you, I know you romanticize Ric Flair, but yes. he's like Pele in The Simpsons now, is he not? <laughs> Where he shows up for the bag of money, they give him oh, the bag oh, of money well, and he leaves. If you had 17 ex-wives <laughs> to pay off, yeah, yeah, he's absolutely doing it for the cash. You have to. Look at this guy. But... <laughs> So good. Of course he's doing it for the cash. 
Every wrestler will tell you they're doing it for the cash. Yeah. Man, fans were called marks back in the day. Because uh, they're marks. Kenny, Jesse, That's really appreciate good. you as always. Uh, well done. I, I'm going on vacation. We don't have another show tomorrow. And thank you for all watching all the time. I really do appreciate it. I'm taking this tarp off. It's hot <laughs> here. Tarp